0: Okay, so without being overly dramatic in a world where we can't pay attention to anything for more than five seconds before moving on to something else, where we work on many different things at the same time, where we have 20 different tabs open On our laptops. You know who you are. You are listening to me. Is it you, Brent? Is it you, Angela?
1: I feel so exposed right now as I'm closing apps on my phone. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Angela. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) That is legendary. (laughs) I didn't want to be distracted. Oh all right, Kim.
2: you have my undivided attention <laughs> i don't I don't know about Angela's, but you have mine. I am listening. Thank you. I appreciate I'm this. Sorry. I'm sorry'm it's all right. you know what
0: it, but seriously, on a serious note, you know what happens. We never want to feel like we're not paying attention to people, right? We always want to give people uh our what we say our undivided attention, yeah. but that is harder to do than it has ever been, I would say, in the history of the human race,
2: so Kim, why? Why is attention such an important topic for those of us who work in tech?
0: Well, if you work in tech, you're maintaining servers, keeping them up and running. You're maintaining applications, keeping them up and running. You are working on vulnerabilities, security issues. You are working on different platforms. You are building new things, constantly deploying. And, you know, technology is supposed to make our lives more convenient, not harder. So that doesn't necessarily translate very well for a person who's keeping the technology running for the rest of us. I, I want to know how productivity comes into play when you're a person who is focused on keeping things running,
1: but also a person that needs to make time to make new things. I'm glad we're doing this episode because, you know, you try to do these things that help you stay focused and get you more productive. And and I'm wondering, do they really help? I I need to figure this out because I, I struggle with this myself. Do you want to just dive into it? Please. Let's do this.
2: This is Compiler, an original podcast from Red Hat. We are your hosts. I'm Brent Simonov
1: and I'm Angela Andrews.
2: We're here to break down questions from the tech industry, big, small and well, sometimes strange.
1: Each episode, we go out in search of answers from Red Hatters and people they're connected to.
2: Today's question, are we really as productive as we think we are?
1: producer Kim Wong is here with her take.
0: So our first stop on this journey to productivity is in Canada with one Sam Milbreath.
3: I am a freelance copywriter and I write for several tech companies um, and actually nonprofits as well. And I do that probably part-time. And then other part-time, I'm also writing a fiction fantasy novel and I'm running a wine business as well. Uh, My husband and I have a winery and we're building it out.
2: She sounds busy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Sam is one of those
0: people, as you would guess from all the things that she's involved with, she's very, very busy. So it would kind of be in her best interest and her prerogative to be knowledgeable about prioritizing and tasking things out and being productive. She also writes about productivity for Trello, which is an app that's all about productivity. Oh.
2: So what does she have to say about productivity?
0: Sam has a background writing specifically for tech companies, and those companies have made a lot of changes to the way they work. I asked her about the impact of those changes on developers, engineers, programmers, and other people who work in that space.
3: It's also just sort of ingrained into the culture of this, like, sprints, you know, which are great. But then, like, a sprint isn't, like, I read somewhere, actually I wrote about it too, but it was basically like, Life is a marathon, not a sprint. So if you're always working in these sprints, it's just like you're going to burn out. And that's kind of like the ironic thing about all of these startup tech companies is that, you know, they claim that they're going to be moving so fast and that they can get things done and all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, but everyone has to take a break. And at what cost? And at some point you're going to slow down, you know, because you become too big and then you're kind of a slow moving bureaucratic blimp. (laughs)
1: the visual yes away with words what what are your thoughts i feel as though it's all theater right now like there's so much going on because we're i don't know if we're trying to make up for something and before that in the past 10 years it was because you know, technology is moving super fast and all of us are trying to keep up and all of us have multiple irons in the fire. And and we're, you know, on multiple projects and we're doing multiple things. And it's it's that that the number of things that we're engaged in mm. and everything has a due date, right? Yes. So you can't work kind of linearly. You have to yeah. kind of bounce around like Sam mentioned, you know, you have to move around and try to stay nimble and do a little bit but again it feels like we're doing all this stuff and it we're not really moving anywhere to me it sometimes mm-hmm. it really does feel like that this this is a really personal yeah. thing for me uh talking about productivity and maybe the lack thereof
2: yeah what really struck me about what she was saying was that you know this is a this is a marathon like it's not a sprint and it's not a series of sprints either and i think this really struck me because <laughs> because I'm a runner, mm-hmm. you know? And like, if you just sprint and sprint and sprint and sprint,
0: Can't sustain it.
2: You're going to get injured, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. there's no way to sustain that. But, you know, when you're running a marathon and when you're training for a marathon, you always you always schedule rest days, you know? Like, you, you always schedule breaks and you're never working at the same... You're never training. You're never running at the same tempo all the time.
0: Mm. That's a really good point, Brent. And I want to go back to Sam one more time to see what she has to say about technology and letting go so that you can make room for that rest. And then that makes room for creativity.
3: It's a complicated topic for sure, because technology was made to make our lives easier. If it makes our lives more complicated, then we're doing something wrong, I think. What we bring to the table is like the creativity and the innovation and human problem solving. Like if we can focus on like letting go of control of things that are something that technology is supposed to be taking care of or managing and then focusing instead on things that are the creativity or innovation, you know, it's like kind of like separating the two.
0: Sam says that in her work, she's starting to see uh, a trend or a shift Mm. of how people, especially people who work in technology, who work in IT, are thinking about productivity now. It seems like her idea of making the technology do the busy work and leaving the human brain to solve problems yeah. and create new things is starting to catch on a little bit.
2: This is sort of the the argument that a lot of people make for like automation.
0: Yes, they exactly. They very familiar. Yeah. Yes. So we heard from Sam. She talked a little bit about how she works, how she writes about productivity, how she writes about distraction and the attention economy. But I wanted to talk to someone that was actually involved in the attention economy kind of explicitly.
2: Mm.
4: My name is Ulf Schwekendieck and I'm the CEO and founder of Centered App.
0: Ulf may be actually a kind of a familiar name to some of our listeners. Yeah. He's worked for years in Silicon Valley. He's worked as an engineer on a number of different prolific projects. And he's been very successful in his craft and his career. So it makes sense that he would be a poster child for productivity. Mm. I asked him how uh, his app, Centered, helps people like him, people who need to focus and get things done in their working
4: life.
2: Oh, so the name of the app is? Centered. Centered, Centered. yes. It's very descriptive.
4: (laughs) Yes. Just remember that feeling, being in an airplane and shut off from any distraction opening up your computer and just knocking out a task and so much quicker than you would normally do that. That is kind of that feeling that we want to recreate with Centered. Centered is a productivity app that helps you to not just write down what you want to do, but it's the first app that actually tries to help you to get that work done.
1: That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. This is
2: so funny because... I used to uh, come back from a trip and I would have, like, all this work done and I would have this, like, new idea for, you know, whatever I was working on. And I would tell my boss this and she would be like, were you just on a plane? Oh, whoa. <laughs> and every she time never. I would be like... Yes, I just came back from, you know, wherever I was.
0: Hey, folks, it's uh, pilot Kim Wong speaking. Uh, You'll see that the seatbelt sign has gone off. We're expecting a very uh, (laughs) uh, productive, we're expecting a cruising altitude of 34,000
1: feet. Uh, Brent Simoneau, it's okay for you to be a genius now. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I do not work on planes. Neither do I. You just enjoy it? I just enjoy it. Yeah. Just headphones on. There's something
2: to that, too. Hoodie
1: on backwards. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's me hoodie on backwards. The snuggy variation. Of <laughs> Basically. Hoodie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gotta be warm. Well, Ulf talks about how the app, centered, turns your computer into a concentration machine. That's his words. Designed to eliminate distractions so someone can focus on their work. It integrates with other apps to focus optimized focus time. It has an AI guide. His name is Noah. Um, he kind of nudges you and keeps you on task. The app also has um, app-centric music that, has, that is at a specialized uh, beat pattern of 60 mm. to 90 mm. beats per minute, which is optimized for concentration. Nice. All of this sounds pretty typical of your concentration app or your focus app, except for the one feature where a person can actually turn on their webcam so that other people can see them work and they can see other people work at the same time live. It's just video, no audio. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I do <laughs> that this. Is, that is so interesting. I will Now, I will go to YouTube. I will find a video of someone working at their desk. It's usually music in the background. And I'm working and what? it almost feels as if we're just like and when you know when he gets up it's like all right i'll get up right because what? it's it's timed like that oh i'm telling on <laughs> my i am so telling on myself but it really it's almost like well you know it's work time we're sitting here we're working and i i tend to block a lot of things out because i don't know i don't know how i stumbled upon this thing this genre of video yeah, how did you find oh, it i well i was trying to focus and I needed something to, to help me, like, stay on task with something because I am easily distracted.
3: I am yeah. so
1: easily distracted. He's on his computer, you know, with this really soothing music playing. And I sit here and it's like, he'll get up and it's like, all right, it's time to get up.
2: So what What the reason that I'm, I think I'm having this reaction is because, like, so I do this thing. It's called Flow Club. And okay. you you sort of schedule it and there's someone who sort of like leads the hour or the two hours or the three hours and you have like a list of things that you want to do or work on and you basically like work together on the internet. Like everyone turns off their mics and hmm. you check in at the beginning.
0: I've never.
2: You work on camera with a lot of people. Ever heard of And then this. you're done after a while. And it's Whoa. it's some of my most productive time.
0: That's amazing. I've never heard of anything like that. This was the first time I was actually introduced to this, um, like this kind of style of working. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's actually a name for it. Um, It's called the co-action effect. Oh, yeah. Explain that. both of you are kind of like describing the coaction effect. It's something in Ulf's words, there's some research done around this. And I'll let him explain because he does it in a way better way than I can. Yeah. But it seems like when people are kind of working in the same space on different things that they're able to focus better. I'll let him explain.
4: And there has been some research done around this this concept of being able to see others and feel more accountable to your own work, and like basically having other people see you, most of the time you don't stare at them at all. But it's just nice, like working in a coffee shop to see that there are other people around. Especially in these days where we're, most of us are still working from home and feel very isolated. It gives you really this warm feeling of community around when you work.
2: Hmm. that's yeah, interesting. That's, I've never that heard of is that. Very interesting. Yeah. But it rings, you know, it rings true to my experience.
0: You've been doing it. You've been doing it. You didn't know it had a name. That's all that is. Yeah. Yeah. Ulf says the app, uh, Centered, is designed to get a person to the state that he calls Flow, which you talked about earlier, Brent, having a a really deep focus on one thing. And I say one thing, and this is the part I was talking about earlier. We're going to make a lot of people kind of uncomfortable right now, so just bear with us. But (laughs) Ulf says that multitasking does not work.
4: I'm pretty sure you have listeners and you might you know think of it yourself when you hear this that you think you're a great multitasker. There is absolutely no research backing up that that is possible to do with the human brain. If you're a good multitasker, you can do up to two things well at the same time at most so what are we doing when we say we're multitasking is we are sacrificing brain power to do many things at the same time pretty mediocre I'm sure a lot of people had listening to this had you know a very busy work day listening to your podcast and think oh my god what did I actually do today What did I get done today? And you cannot remember all of it, right? We have that all the time where you're just like, I feel exhausted, but I actually don't really know all the things that I have done. Well, that is a clear sign that you multitask too much because your brain doesn't actually retain that information well enough.
1: He has literally dragged everyone Mm -hmm. for filth. Mm -hmm. And this was the most honest thing anyone has ever said. And we put so much weight on this thing called multitasking, doing a lot of little things at one time. Yes. If you focused on one thing for that same amount of time, you would actually get something done. This is controversial, but Ulf hit the nail right on the head. And I think some of us may have needed to hear that. Yes. So Ulf uh, talks about multicasting in two
0: ways. Um, And and neither way is it a thing that exists. Mm -hmm. It is more like our own perception of ourselves. Conflating how productive we really are. I wanted to know why it's so common now. Yeah. Why is it that... You even have job descriptions that say multitasking as part of like the job description.
2: I've written those job descriptions.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. You're guilty mm. of
0: such I'm things. guilty of mm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, So I wanted to know what Ulf thought about why multitasking, if it's so inefficient, it's so common.
4: It is easier said than actually executed. The concept around multitasking really came up with the rise of computing where we built computers after CPUs specifically like after our brains in certain ways and we figured you know if a computer can do millions of things simultaneously and do them really well and fast of course our brain has to do that too well it turns out that's really not the case
1: mm. ooh he told
0: us exactly According to Ulf, there is no scientific evidence that backs up multitasking's effectiveness, and don't just take his word for it. According to the National Institute of Health, the human brain lacks the architecture to perform two tasks at the same time, optimally. To kind of break it down, the areas of our brain that are dedicated to decision making and attention have very limited capacity. And in short, those areas are forced to compete against each other about what is the most important and relevant when we're working on something. So have you ever sat in a room or been at your desk and felt kind of an information overload when working on more than one thing?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's what it is. So computers has been built with our brains in mind, but our brains are not computers. And they are never going to be a computer.
2: So Kim, bringing it back to Ulf, like, what do you think is his one insight into attention?
0: In his words, productivity is about work and not planning for work. So, Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to implement practices along those lines. That's going to make your self-image that that inner vision of you being this most productive person is going to make it closer to reality. You also have to carve out a little time for distraction, just like you make time for everything else. In Ulf's words, some of those bugs that you're working on can wait.
4: What I'm rather suggesting is make time for it. (laughs) Actually make time for it. Say, say, you know, in my morning, I'm going to spend 15 minutes on my phone goofing off whatever I want to do, watching seven snowboard jumps on Instagram Live for um, whatever it is that, you know, this is, this is just whatever it is that I want to do for a certain time.
0: Another good point, when we're multitasking, when we're doing remote work, when we're constantly on our devices, for our brains, like we know in our heart that that is not necessarily work. We might be looking at Instagram videos of snowboard jumps, or in my case, uh, talking dogs. But to our (laughs) brains, because we're on our devices all the time, it all looks like work and it never ends. Wow. Yeah.
2: And are you saying that that sort of like overloads our brains because it thinks it's work?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, It's because that it's work that never ends. So if you're looking at your computer for eight hours a day and then you immediately look at another screen, but you're looking at things that are supposed to be, I don't know, like looking at a live stream of somebody playing your favorite game, your brain still thinks you're
1: at work because you're doing a lot of the same things that you'd be doing for the last eight hours. Okay, so this conversation that we're having right here reminds me of a book that... I will read on and off, and it's mm. called A Mind for Numbers. Okay. And okay. it really talks about being intentional in your, your, your work, your studies, your whatever. Mm. And when the time is up, if we're putting yes. you know time limits on when we spend on something, when that time is up, you must give your brain an opportunity mm. to internalize everything that's just happened. So you have to do something different. Yes. So, so if I sit here for an hour and it's, you know, I'm I've, I'm focused, I'm doing something, I'm studying. And my, you know, my timer goes off, I get up from my desk, I go do something. I go, you know, walk my dog or or wash out my coffee cup or, you know, iron my clothes, anything, anything. When your brain switches away, it gives it gives it the opportunity to internalize and mull over and turn those memories into longer-term memory. Sometimes, and then you come back, you may have an aha moment that you couldn't have figured something out, but you've given your brain a, an opportunity to work on what you were just working on. So it's not for the sake of work. You're actually giving yourself a break so your brain does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I know multitasking is just a farce. I know it. And mm-hmm. the the culture that we're in, it just makes it... You, it's almost inevitable. And these behaviors, with or without an application, are are almost, you know, clutch when you're trying to actually be productive. Yes,
0: I agree.
2: When we start to talk about productivity, it, it to me, it launches us into conversations about, like, what are some hacks to do this? Or how do you structure mm-hmm. your day? Or how do you do this and that? But it also sounds like kind of what we're talking about here is doing what's meaningful you know like mm-hmm. how do you get into that flow state how do you learn a new programming language
4: hmm.
2: how do you build that app that you have been working on <laughs> you know yes how do we do those things that are most meaningful to us and do less of the other stuff
0: i think that the first step of really truly hacking your productivity is to get rid of your kind of self image of a very productive person that you mm. have created over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't say anything bad about you, it's just saying that this image that you have of yourself, especially if you're a person who multitasks and has a lot of different things going on and a lot of different tabs open on your laptop. They may not be working at their best and certainly not a sustainable habit. So, getting rid of that kind of conflated image is kind of the first step of how people can make time for new things, learning a new language Mm. or creating a new app or Mm. learning other new things. And that's it's just a matter of being honest with oneself about what you're doing now, how it's working and how it's not working.
2: Kim just brought it home. I think that was the end yes. of the episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Mic drop. That
2: feels, like, that feels right.
0: hmm <laughs> Well, today on Compiler, we want you to do nothing. Don't do <laughs> anything. Go outside, read a book, go work on that painting project that you left in the corner two months ago. Take mm. a break. Do nothing. That's what I
1: want.
2: I want that too. I want that (laughs) as well.
1: And that does it for this episode of Compiler.
2: Today's episode was produced by Kim Huang and Caroline Craighead. Victoria Lawton is our concentration machine. Just don't ask her about multitasking.
1: Our audio engineer is Christian Proham. Special thanks to Sean Cole. Our theme song was composed by Mary Anchetta.
2: Thank you to our guests Ulf Schweckendijk and Sam Milbreth for speaking with us.
1: Our audio team includes Lee Day, Stephanie Wunderlich, Mike Esser, Laura Barnes, Claire Allison, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King, Boo Boo House, Rachel Artel, Mike Compton, Ocean Matthews, and Laura Walters.
2: If you like today's episode, please follow us, rate the show, and you can even leave us a review. It really does help us out.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
2: All right, we'll see you then. Hey, I'm Jeff Ligon. I'm Director of Engineering for Edge and Automotive at Red Hat. One of the most exciting things about edge computing right now is the potential to join forces with AI. There's so much data on the ground that businesses can use to improve services. But running sophisticated AI workloads at the edge is just not a do-it-yourself operation. You get buried in the details very quickly. Specialized hardware, custom-built this and that, workloads in the cloud and at the edge. How do you pick the right devices? What's the OS? How do you update everything? At Red Hat, we don't think those details should be where you have to focus. You can hand that complexity to us. Our edge solutions provide a consistent operational experience for even the most complex workloads from the data center to the cloud to the farthest edge. Learn more at redhat.com slash edge.